0: Welcome to the Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning.
1: Hey, this episode is brought to you by in the complete course workbook, the same one that we use to teach our live certification classes, yours free. nlpwithmatt.com. Get it today. Let's get back to the show. Well, here we are again. It's me and you. We're back on The Driven Entrepreneur. And this week, we are talking about, well, we've been talking about this subject quite a bit, and we're going to talk about socioeconomic empowerment. We're talking about Especially uh, my guest this week is really, really deep into the youth entrepreneur movement, helping to educate and empower all people to be able to live a better life. Most importantly, you know, th- those youth, that next generation is really the heart that's going to rise up and start finding new solutions. And we are in an unprecedented time in 2020 where we need new solutions. So my guest is Somya Munjal. She's a social entrepreneur with a passion for helping people through financial planning originally. She does financial planning, a lot of education. Uh, She's the founder of Youthful Savings, which is a company that's created a a learning platform for youth called Learning Marketplace, teaching you all the skills you wish you learned in school but didn't about entrepreneurship, how to start an endeavor, um, and everything in between financial-wise to learn and grow that successfully. She also wrote the book Audacious Endeavors. And... Beyond that, of course, she happens to be also a certified public accountant. She's a licensed financial advisor, and she's currently, if that wasn't enough, pursuing her juris doctorate. So she has, uh, her her brain is nonstop, wants to be in all sorts of different areas. But we're going to talk specifically about that young entrepreneurship today. Somia, welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. You know,
1: I I enjoyed our little pre-talk already so much. I feel like uh, I wish we we should just air the entire thing. Uh, We've been getting into kind of the landscape changes over the last several months and how the world is going right now, of course. Um, But I don't wanna spend too much time on that. I wanna talk about you. You, first off, when I read that bio, I feel like, man, you're doing so many things. And if I had half of the education that you did, I'd probably be satisfied for the rest of my life. What made you decide to continue on and move not just from finance, but into law?
0: Well, I've always been very solution-based. So when there when there's problems that arise, my, my head goes straight to how do we solve this issue? And I've been in this world of finance and education and sort of, it can all get kind of political. And so I think somewhere down the line, I'd like to get into policy improvement because there's, you know, as an entrepreneur, you create solutions for the world. And then there's this barrier of the law. (laughs) So there's only so much you can do when the law is the way that the law is. And I've always been very focused on creating a bottom-up economy, but there's so many restrictions that are top-down. And that top layer is the government and the law. And I think right now, in 2020, we have all been affected by the government, right? Because- Of course. 13 who can leave their house. And there's all these, when a pandemic occurs, we have to look to the law and the state versus the um, federal and all this stuff. It gets very complicated. And for me, it was just important. It is important to understand what that top barrier is and what I can do to create change and being an entrepreneur, like, isn't really enough. So um, I don't think that we've gotten as I specifically have not gotten as far as I'd like to, of like organizing the youth to create change. I think we're on our way but we have a lot more work to do and it does require this like 360 view and just have to have all the tools. And the law is like a big tool.
1: And and you see it as something that you want to be able to to jump in and do. I love yeah. that because most people, I think, think you know, if I'm going to make a change, maybe it has to be in politics or it has to be something like that. But you're looking at, no, what's underneath that are the legal written policies, right. and you want to jump into that. I think that's that's absolutely brilliant. Are yeah. you kind of bringing that attitude towards some of the youth you're working with as well, absolutely. or is that
0: yeah absolutely. that that is yeah? It's just like every single person that you can you know drive a wedge into. Thinking outside the box to create change is really important. Um, So like on our learning platform, learning marketplace, it's really based on creativity and reflection-based learning. So not just like memorizing a bunch of equations and making sure that you can reiterate it and somebody else is like teaching you what to do. It's very much based upon like what can you do to contribute um, with your innate skills. Like that has always been our approach. And so I'm just very focused on it being very empowering and very, like I use this term all the time, bottom-up economics. Um, there's 20% of the world's population is under the age of 24. So if we included them earlier and faster, then perhaps the wealth distribution can be better and everybody can have an equal chance. It's just it's awful that we don't give that power to the kids
1: I think I want to hit on just one thing you just said real quick. You you talked about the wealth distribution. What's your take on, I don't even oh, know where worse. you're going to go with this, but what's your take on wealth distribution and what is it that has to shift? Because I think some people really overly simplify that concept and go, well, you know, the rich shouldn't be rich and we should have, you know, more people should have money, which we know in long-term isn't a viable solution. What's your take on that with your, specific position and kind of expertise when you talk about distribution and bringing the youth into that conversation
0: well it's pretty simple like america was built on a top down approach right so some people came they stole the land they killed a bunch of people they made a bunch of policies and everybody had to had to go and function off of that we didn't really have a revolution necessarily we just killed a bunch of people until those people created a revolution who they killed, it's not going to change. So my concern is, is that now I believe we are seeing full-fledged how top-down we are and how much, how reliant we are on the policies and the laws of the top. And like when these bailouts occur, what is actually trickling down to us? And so I believe entrepreneurship is the the, the closest thing that you're going to get to putting, you know, skin in the game and seeing what you can do to create change. And I don't think it's that hard. I think it's just buying low, selling high, (laughs) um, and (laughs) making some cash. But I think the policies of like the tax code, which you know is something that I'm really um into because I'm a CPA and I am a tax accountant. So I can understand when these things happen and the tax code changes starting from the 2018 tax code to now the CARES tax code has a bunch of changes as well that are very, very um, positive to high net worth people, so the kinds of deductions that they can get are really a lot better than you, if you're just a middle class. So slowly but surely, we're squeezing the middle class, and it's really based upon policy. It's it's taxes and it's laws, and um, it's just it's how empires fall. Honestly, when the wealth when the wealth gap becomes too big, and so I'm just trying to say that you know manpower does create wealth distribution, right? So if more people are spreading the cash, it does create a distribution. And I'm just saying, listen, we've never done it before. Let's organize the 20%. Let's have them be business owners. Let's give them cash. Our foundation works on um, capitalizing kid businesses. One of our uh, kids that was like in high school sold a business to a publicly traded company. Now we're trying to raise 15 million to make bigger checks and to really like organize them better. Let's give them the kind of education that actually helps them uh, be prosperous in the real world. And let's try to undo some of this history that maybe took 500 years to really show where we're at. But when you have- Well,
1: that's the big difference right there is what you're saying is, is when you said the 20%, you said, it's not just, let's give them the wealth. Like, you know, let's cut these checks. Yeah. But you're that's saying, right. no, let, let's train them as entrepreneurs. Let's, get, let's fund them money so they can actually do yeah. something to earn and create their part of it, not just distribute. And that's that's the, the kind of the battle we've been in is either- Hey, are you in the 1%? Or, hey, it's the rest of us and we should have money too. And you're in this back and forth of, I don't know, it's it's almost like the uber rich or the socialism. Right. And I don't want either one. I want to see what you want, which is that middle class rising up. Yeah. And the way, one of the easiest ways is through business. And you are, of course, creating that. Can we pivot a moment and talk a little bit about that platform itself? Just going back a moment. so Somi, you said um, in that learning platform that some of these the, the way that we're traditionally taught, which I've been, <laughs> I've talked a lot about, um, you know, the studying to take a test and memorizing just to forget after Friday's afternoon's exam and that sort of thing. Um, what sparked the idea for you initially to even say, I should do a learning platform? Why a learning platform? Why not just mentor young entrepreneurs? Why did you go this extent?
0: Okay, so that's a really great question. So Youthful Savings got started seven years ago when I was in Washington, D.C. working for a hedge fund. So I was in extreme wealth. I was in a city that had incredible poverty. And I was like, how can the world's most powerful minds and quote unquote public servants allow this to occur? And so I started volunteering at a place called Martha's Table And I started teaching financial education, I partnered with a bank and I taught them entrepreneurship skills. And I just realized that these kids needed this education. So for like four years, we developed products and curriculum and web apps and we sold directly to schools. But then when the administration changed in 2016, I couldn't sell to schools, not the low income schools that I was concentrating on, not the public schools and charter schools, So we were like, let's just create our own online school. So that's where Learning Marketplace got developed. And it was really just realizing that, A, the kids are on technology, so we need to meet them where they're at. They're disenfranchised, so we need to create some sort of social learning aspect to our platform. And like what they are deeply immersed in is social media, and so their attention spans are low, so all of our exercises are like, You express yourself because that's what kids want to do through our experiential learning model. And, you know, they shouldn't take more than an hour. So hopefully we still have their attention. Um, But it was just meeting kids where they're at and then figuring out how best to serve them was our mentality and understanding that there are just barriers of entry every which way when you do this. In seven years of doing this work, I've never met a kid that I couldn't reach. I've always had issues with the adults. So, uh, <laughs> so finally, just this past uh, week, we launched a, like a direct-to-youth platform that's really catered to like a kid signing up and getting this going. Like We are trying to just reach the kids as fast as possible. And that's why raising money for this investment fund is so important. Um, We also are going to launch like an Amazon for kids, like a way for kids to start selling to each other. Um, I'd love to create like a digital currency for them somewhere down the line. And yeah, we are working with large bank partners, and we are seeing like the economy change so fast that for us, it's just like you know, let's just let's just focus on organizing these kids and kind of creating their own little government.
1: Incredible. Now you uh, you said that youth is about you know, under 24 years old, anywhere yeah. in that range, do you have kind of a, a mean or a median depending on how you want to classify it? What's the, the normal age, what's the most common age range that you get kids going through this program? Yeah.
0: So it's like middle school, high school, those kids that are in community college, uh, that's, that's awesome. of the range, but it's really meant to be for like Gen Z. So we're very Gen Z friendly. Um, I love that. You know,
1: I had nothing like that in high school. Right. I remember, for some reason getting motivated about 17 and buying my first infomercial product for a commodities trading course. And I paper traded in high school for I don't know like six months. And I never opened a brokerage account when I turned 18. I never did the real thing, but I sat there in school and I was the only kid, I think, like with a Wall Street Journal every day, just trying to learn this. And I don't know why I wanted to. But I often wonder what it would be like if I had, like if there was a group, you know, there was an entrepreneur club or something. Can you talk to me a little bit about the social interaction part of it? Um, what What is it that really makes that work? Is it about having, like for adults, you know, we talk a lot about, say, taking a coaching program or um, online course, and it's a lot about having support, having community, having accountability sometimes. Is there kind of a hot button of what the kids are really, really needing to, to get these ideas up and off the ground and to get moving with them? Yeah. What's the, if there was number one feature that a social group can help to spur?
0: Yeah, so we are about to launch learner profiles, which essentially is like a Facebook profile for each learner. And then they can interact with each other and have accountability buddies. Uh, We also do live experiences. So those that show up are now in a cohort together and they can hold each other accountable. Uh, But going back to what you said, we actually have a module called Youth and Investing, which sort of teaches them how to create an investment plan, the different investment accounts that are there. We even have something called youth and taxes because some of these kids are working part-time jobs and they should understand where their taxes are going. And obviously, investing and taxes go hand in hand. So, you know, the sooner that they start creating a retirement account, the better their taxes are going to be. So we're trying to give them that 1% knowledge at age 16, you know? Um, So we are working really hard on that social aspect. We're actually working... um, hard on a partnership with a large social network site (laughs) Um, and I can't announce it yet, but hopefully everything goes through soon. But essentially we're going to be partnering with a social network and, and figuring out how best to make their social network, um, you know, into learning marketplace essentially. So, you know, instead of just posting random things, wouldn't it be great if they were posting about their investment plans together? Um, and so we are trying to figure out how best to integrate social media and learning together. That is our goal.
1: What an outstanding idea. You know, m- when, uh, my son was, came home from school, you know, earlier this year, um, when the schools had closed they started giving access to this new, like an online learning platform, but it was the first time I've ever seen an online learning platform. In this case, it was for younger kids. And it was really almost set up like, um, like an app, you know, where you have, you get coins and you can fix your avatar and you can get, you know, cool new clothes for your avatar. When you complete things, there's treasure chests and all those little small actions, small wins that make the app so addictive for absolutely no benefit And I just, you know, I think the jury is still out on how well this will go long term, but I love the direction of essentially saying, how do we already think? How do the kids think? How are they already behaving? then how can we now get this positive message in front of them? So kudos to you for doing that in the entrepreneur space. Um, I wish more people would. Do you have um, partnerships with schools? Are you Is that something you're looking at? Or is that something that is not necessarily in part of the plan?
0: No, I mean, we definitely like the schools that we have worked with are very much integrated into our ecosystem. So instead of because we... That there are such high budget cuts, and we can't sell directly to the school and be part of their purchasing budget. What we do is like we'll
1: host. So you can't be part of their purchasing budget. How come?
0: Uh, there's the cuts are just too high.
1: Just okay. I
0: mean, any any school uh, post 2016 when the new administration came, it's been very yep. Difficult. Um, and education keeps getting cut. And I don't know where this whole online learning push is going to go. Uh, but we've had incredible success inviting inviting them to a large corporation and then really banking on the corporation understanding that these kids are future consumers and it's really part of their advertising marketing spend. So what we've been doing is like we just hosted we work with uncommon schools in New York. We hosted the kids regularly at JP Morgan Chase on Wall Street. So it's a great way. It actually works better because it gives them that real world experience and now they've been like pitching their businesses to bankers that traditionally will um, manage like billions of dollars, you know, so they get the ability and they get that real world experience. So for us, it's actually been much more transformational to host the school kids as a field trip inside corporations. Um, that actually works better for us. So uh, what
1: an incredible idea. Yeah.
0: Again, we did I mean, that
1: talk about going from like in a classroom. Like, I feel like I'm in detention. I'm like, right. Oh, I'm, what, what my economics teacher is going to show me a right. online video. No, right. I'm going to go on a bus. I'm going to go to wall street. I'm going to go pitch bankers. I'm going to sit in a room with people that manage right. billions. Yeah. That is epic.
0: Yeah. So that's been really great. I mean, of course this idea came about because we needed to do it because we couldn't be inside schools. Traditionally we went down that school route, but for us, this, whole avenue of, we call it building better human capital by, by, get, by inserting them into capitalism. <laughs> um, you know, when I think that so much, so much resistance is created by people just not understanding. So for us, it's like, if you really think about it, capitalism can create more money. It's just that what often happens is education isn't equal. And so we're really focused on building something that's really low cost, makes it, everybody is accessible to it. Um, every kid is born with a, bank, a blank slate. So what can we do to give them that kind of education? So they at least get a fair chance at understanding what the world is. And then if they can also create change when they don't like something, then that's great too.
1: Wow, that is... Um... So many layers to that, too. So many, are like, very, very insightful. Because there, there is a lot of conversation around kind of this idea of social hierarchies, financial hierarchies being negative things and bad things. But the truth is that for ever since animal kingdoms, the world has existed. There's been these yeah. social hierarchies of you yeah. know the the who's in charge of the pride of lions gets to eat the best food first right. and so forth. It's not is a Western capital idea, right? But where it goes awry is when there's you don't have a chance to get in the game, right? right? When your circumstance you're born into or your financial circumstance or what have you prevents you from something. And I think education is one of those great equalizers. So right. good on you for that. Can I pivot this for a second? I want to go back actually to what got you really started in this idea of doing you know, multiple enterprises for yourself in the first place. Survival. I mean, up.
0: <laughs> pure survival. I mean, I. Survival. Yeah. Tell me about that. really no other way to describe it. Um, I was a kid who was 14 and I started working at a dry cleaners. Why? Because I, I had to pay for my own college. I knew that was four years away. And if I got started, I also realized when I was 14 and I had cash in my hand, I didn't have to like, say anything to anybody. I could just leave the door and I had this whole world of, I had had purchasing power. Right. And so if I made money, I could purchase things and I could live a better life.
1: And I, what were mom and dad dad like, what was the attitude there? Were they, were they both present or not? How did you grow up? Was it, you don't have enough money or was it, Hey, if you want it, make your own and we support you.
0: Yeah. My parents are immigrants from India. They grew up very poor. You know, they kind of lived the American dream in um, you know, hardworking, my dad worked two jobs and mom stayed at home with us to raise us, but still kind of picked up odd jobs. Um, they were very much the kind of parents though, that they were like, we're not paying for college. There's, there's a university that's 30 minutes away. You know, you buy your own car, you drive there, you get educated, you do what you got to do. Um, so they definitely instilled that attitude of, if you want something, you need to work for it. Um, But I, as a kid, also realized the freedom that was attached to having purchasing power. And so I've been very focused on giving these kids that power. Um, But you have to give them that character development as well. And that's something that I could have used too as a kid. I mean, I definitely got in trouble a lot when I was a kid. And I think that we don't just teach you economics. We teach you how to be good in society, right? So to me, socioeconomics isn't just money and how do you manage it. But socioeconomics means that you're a a pivotal member of society and you're contributing positively to society. Um, And so that is something that we're very focused on. So on Learning Marketplace, you'll see like dispute and conflict resolution. How do you communicate better? We have something that's available for free, which is hard intelligence. So how do you make decisions that's good for the community and not just for yourself? Um, But yeah, so you know, I was just a kid that was very curious and I think most kids are born that way, but you, how do you harness that energy like properly? I think is really, really helpful.
1: Well guys, we're sitting here chatting with entrepreneur Somya Munjal and she is the founder of learning marketplace. Uh, Or youthful savings with a platform called Learning Marketplace, education for young entrepreneurs, uh, educating the youth to really raise that middle class back up through their own empowerment and through creating real good social business practices. Um, Certainly love that. The book, we're talking about the book here, is Audacious Endeavors Eight Steps to Social Consciousness that will spark your inner fire. Um, What sparked you to say, I got to put this into book format? Was this a Time for I just I don't have a book and I need one. Uh, or what was it inside that was like, man, I got to get this into book format because you, know, you do so much online learning, I find that interesting.
0: Yeah, well, the book came before the platform, so I think that's important. Uh-huh. So I think a lot of the content that's on the platform was written by me. So I'd say 90 percent is written by me, 10% comes from outside contributors. So by the way, on the platform, if you're interested in education or even organization that's interested in education, we help you utilize our experiential learning method, and we, we can help you create content, and you can be a store owner and earn commissions. so that's one thing. but I, I wrote so much, post the book, but for me, I think your story is really, really important, and you have to document it and in history, we have learned so much from other people based upon documentation, so that's where audacious endeavors came from, and it was really just a story of youthful savings and you know, it was pretty, it was a, it's a hard battle to write a book. I'm sure you're, you've written books, so you understand, but I, do. <laughs> but I think that it led me to start creating these little snippets of learning exercises for kids. And now, you know, writing is one of my passions just because it allows me, um, a, a way to express myself. And actually one of our most popular products on learning marketplace is the art of storytelling. And it's, the story is audacious endeavors. Um, but it basically talks about how do you take your story and use Pixar's method of, of the storytelling mechanism, and then you create your own story, but it also has an aspect of like, listen, if you're going through pain or you just went through something and you need some healing, like storytelling is a great way to heal, right? So when you share your story, other people can relate to it. So for me, it's just that journey of storytelling. And that's where that book got started. Um, but that book led me to create learning marketplace and all this content because it gave me the confidence that I could be a writer, you know, I'm a math nerd. So, um, <laughs> writing, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like a, an amazing writer when I was in, um, high school or college. So it's been fun to do, go down that route.
1: I think that's one of the most rewarding for me, uh, in writing books is just, you know, to remember that, you know, I got C's in English right. and, you know, it's like people get to read my books. I think it's a pretty cool thing. Right. Um, last couple of questions as we wind down here, Somia, Um, Number one is if you were to create, I guess the next, the next business, the next, no, let me ask you differently. Which, are there any businesses that some of the youth are working on, some ideas at any phase, any stage that you're really excited about? Are there any, uh, some really cool ideas out there that you hope come to fruition?
0: Yeah, so it's actually, it's, I'm going to answer both questions. I think I know what you're asking of like, all right. what would be my next business and how does that relate? Or is it, how do I help other youth businesses get excited about?
1: Yeah, I guess re- really I was thinking of, of the kids you're working with now that are that are taking their programs and that are going to JP Morgan and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything people are talking about now that maybe one of the kids is working on that excites you?
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you all of them, right? But what I'm going to tell you, what what is the barrier to them creating these businesses was the same barrier that made the journey of youthful savings so freaking long. And it's because I could not get capitalized. Like the capitalization, I mean, luckily now we are, but previous to this, like, let's help women get capitalized. You know, we were pretty distributed against. And so, um, so that's why, you know, the CPA firm got started because we independently capitalized the youthful savings, um, you know, six year journey before we started taking institutional capital. So for us, what what I'm really interested in is creating the investment fund. And so it works both ways because all these youth businesses, whether it's like mental health apps or, you know, kids want to write books or they have all these different ideas. They want to create, you know, different platforms. It all requires cash, right? Because technology is expensive. And so I am very interested in converting our foundation, which has always just been a like, you know, here's a little like check. Like it was more of like a kids, you know, I'm just encouraging them through money. It wasn't really like a life changing. Now you can make this business into reality and have it compete with other tech companies. So I'm focused on how do we create a legitimate investment fund for kids, specifically for kids. Uh, Love it. And that is something that, answers both like, where's my next journey? And it's that it's to really like get this investment fund off. And then also to help these kids make their dreams come true because giving a kid a hundred bucks, 25 bucks as an incentive for coming to our class as like an allowance is, is not enough. What makes the difference is when you give them like the 10 to $25,000 check. So that kid that sold his company, what he did was he raised $10,000 through like a crowdfund campaign. And that's what got him to the level of being able to sell his company eventually. But he was like a white male, you know? So it was easier for him. Let's just be honest. And so, but we work with all different kinds of people. And so we want to create an equalizing fund, um, the Youthful Savings Foundation. We were calling it the Vision 2020 Fund. And... I'm really focused on getting that off the ground and getting the right partners associated with that. I think it'd be really cool to have like a youth accelerator somewhere down the line um, that would be similar to like a Techstars 500 Startups, but it would be just for kids.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So That's our focus. Very cool. Well, if someone wants to uh, jump in and be a part of this, whether they want to help fund this, or they want to make a connection for you, or they just want to get involved in the learning platform as a teacher, or they have a kid that wants it, I think a lot of people are going to have a child that wants to be involved in it. Um, plug away. What's the best way to get connected with all things Somia?
0: Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I love connecting with people, and the best way is I am like so good about answering emails. So if you email me directly, I'd say that's by the best way, Um, which is just my name, somya, S-O-M-Y-A at youthfulsavings.com. But if you email me directly, I will hop on a call with you and I will chat with you and we'll figure out a way um, to help kids. So if you don't have a lot of money, no worries. We'll figure out how we can help you earn money by being a part of our platform as an educator Uh, If you've got a lot of cash and you want to be a part of this investment fund, let us know if you're part of a corporation and you think a sponsorship would make sense, um, sponsoring our live experiences or sponsoring some content on our site, um, or maybe your organization wants a subscription to our site and it's a great thing to give to your employees so that their kids have it, contact us and we'll make it happen. But contacting me directly is great. I love being inundated with emails, honestly. Um, so if you read, what was that email again? It's SOMIA S O M as in Mary, Y a at dot com.
1: Perfect. We'll have that in the show notes as well on the website. So you can do that. Um, and then of course, pick up the book wherever, uh, you get books. I'm sure it's available on Amazon. I'm guessing. Yep. Yes. And that is, of course, audacious endeavors, eight steps to social consciousness that will spark your inner fire with Sonia Munjul. Sonia, thank you so much for your time. I I really genuinely appreciate this conversation. I'm sure everyone else does as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys, that's the show for this week. I hope that was uh, as enlightening for you as it was for me. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm looking for more guests that we can talk about some of this stuff, you know, talking about the future of the economy, talking about the future of education um, how we can inspire the youth and our kids to move forward and start doing some of the things that you and I are feeling called to do. Whether you're 15 years old or 50 or 500 years old, listening to this show. We thank you. I appreciate every single one of you. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review to the Driven Entrepreneur on any on-demand platforms. If you listen to this in your car, on the old radio waves, remember you can get hundreds of episodes in our back pile, completely free, no paywall. Just head over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, wherever you get podcasts and look for the Driven Entrepreneur and you can subscribe and not miss a show every Friday. Get out there and stay driven or stay in whatever you got to do, but stay driven and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.